so Disaster was one of those episodes that I didn't really remember much about, except for the famous Worf and Keiko giving birth scene. Mm. And I really liked it. Yeah, it was like, in some ways it was just a, it was very obviously a cheap bottle episode. You know, it was, as you were saying, you know, last week, like, oh, they did some location shootings, they need to save money. So this was the episode they saved money on. But... It, you know, it's it's just a bunch of people dealing with just the ship hits an iceberg, basically. But it was very well done. You have a bunch of pairings of characters that aren't normally paired together. Uh, you have characters in very different situations than they're normally placed in. I mean, you know, you have Dr. Crusher dealing with a non-medical emergency. You have Worf dealing with the medical one. You know, you have – it's it switches up the formula enough so it is exciting and you are going to wonder how are they going to get out of this. And it was just a – it was the very good tense drama for 40 minutes. Yeah, I'm glad you picked up on the fact that they, they really paired characters that didn't really interact yeah. that much regularly. And what I like about it is that I don't think that the show... The show could have done an episode like this earlier on, but I don't think it would have worked nearly as well. Yeah, yeah. Because this episode, you know, as sort of just... Uh, uh, I don't want to say generic, but it is very sort of non-essential to the show, I think. Yeah. Like, you could skip this episode. It's not, a, big, it's not a Romulan plot. It's not, you know, right. a new species. It's, again, they just hit a, a weather balloon. Right. It's a phenomenon. But what I like about it is that it really relies on all of the character work that the show has done in the past, yeah. you know, two seasons or maybe even three seasons if you want to count parts of the second season, which I, I think you could do. Um, and it makes it different enough because you you have different characters i mean you've got the pairings in this episode are picard and three children Mm -hmm. you have and you we got it it never makes they never say in the episode picard's scared of children but you know right you've been we know this so we know that's a weird one right you have beverly and jordy which as a pairing you don't see that much you have uh data and Riker, which is a pairing you don't see that much yeah and then you have uh troy ensign Rowe and, and o'brien on the bridge so and then you have Worf and keiko who and were... then you have Worf and keiko who of course you know i don't think, I don't they've, think had we've, a... they've had a scene together no. yeah and suddenly you know keiko is pregnant which all right you <laughs> kind of get away with that and so you know even if you don't know exactly how these characters are going to interact you know how the diff- you know the individual characters are going to sort of act in that situation and it gives a different sort of flavor to the entire episode which i really appreciated and you know you know that because of the way you know again the show the sh- even though i think they've slipped a little bit from Roddenberry's mandate that the characters never argue you also know that they are going to figure out how to work together in these new pairings you know and we get to see how leadership shakes itself out in these different ways when they are in unfamiliar situations, when they are with a team that they don't normally work with. And that gives a very interesting angle on all of the different characters. I mean, the obvious one is Troy is in command of the bridge right now, and she has Ensign Bro, who is – we've seen her once, and we have O'Brien, and Troy has never been in charge like this before. She doesn't have the – quite the technical knowledge to get through this situation but she is nominally in charge and how she's being tested i mean that's that's i, I you know you have picard who is in a situation he's uncomfortable with and how he shows his leadership in that kind of a situation when he's physically broken and well speak, yeah so it's it's, it's a hard episode where do you start talking? well that's what i'm gonna say speaking of tests let me give you a multiple choice question yeah because i think that this is a really easy episode to talk about actually okay there's four individual plots which one do you want to talk about first? Mm. Do you want to talk about Ten Forward, the bridge, the shuttlecraft, or the adventures of uh, Headless Data and Riker? Hmm. You have. I right, let's 10 see Headless seconds. Data, Data and Riker. Data and Riker. Okay. 
I think that this was the least interesting plot, but I also liked it for the just the sheer audacity of taking data's head off yeah like there's not really much here it's just kind of like we need to get to engineering how are we going to do it yeah they i mean they have probably the most you know traditional action plot in this one like oh we've got to get to the place and there's a there's an electricity storm and how do we do this well i'm gonna i'm gonna sacrifice myself to get us through this like that's all that plot was and you have the little visual gimmick of of that talking head and you know, when he screws up the little connection, like it, it, it's just for moments like that. But it was, again, all the, if it was the least interesting plot of all of the ones in this episode, it was still very satisfying. Oh, I think so. I mean, that's the nice thing about each yeah. of these different plots is that they do have actual beginnings, middle and ends. They are plots in and of yeah. themselves, even as the meta plot is unfolding. And what I like about the Riker and Data stuff is... You know, we don't really know. They don't really. That's the thing. They don't really uh, uh, interact that much on the show. And so when they're in a situation like this, which is really testing them, they are able to sort of get through it. And I think that, you know, Data talking about how he's just very calmly saying, look, you can take my head off. Just take my head off. You know, Uh, I think Riker is interesting in that scene because he obviously doesn't really want to do it, but. He has enough experience yeah. with Data to know that Data knows what he's talking yeah. about. As and, he says, you know, Data makes it clear, like, this is probably, you know, I, I don't have any better ideas. You know, th- this is it. Right. And so that works well. And then I think once they get to engineering, you know, it becomes kind of a little comedy, but they get to save the day at the end. Well, the you know, this reminded me a lot of Measure of a Man when uh, Riker did have to take a body part off of Data in order to prove that he was a machine. If you remember. And so we have him. I mean, this is a kind of almost to me an echo of that. Obviously not intentional, but it is an echo of that where he has to remove a body part of Data's. But this time it's, you know, Data. I don't know. It's it's almost the opposite kind of a motivation in this scene than that one. And this to me almost closes that loop. Well, it's way. it's yeah, I think that's a good point. And I think it's Data's machineness and Data's artificiality, which are actually saving. Him. Yeah, that they, they turn out to be, you know, well, I'm not going to be hurt by, you know, I'm going to get some body damage from this trap, but it's nothing that's going to, you know, we can't repair later on. And so, you know, I'm going to need a new uniform. Yeah, exactly. That's pretty much what it comes down to. Um, all right. What what do you want to talk about next? Um no, it's your turn to pick one. Okay. Uh, let's talk about uh, Troy on the Bridge, because okay. I really want to talk about Troy I on really the Bridge. I really liked Troy on the Bridge. Be- yeah. Well, talk about Troy on the Bridge. Well, this was a really, you know, on the one hand, I feel like, you know, the introduction of Ensign Rowe last week uh, was very good, and she's an interesting character. She's very strong. Yeah. She adds, a, like, a needed, I think, flavor to the show and a little bit of, like, grittiness and strife to the show. She doesn't really fit in very well. And then I think they kind of fuck that up in this episode okay. a little bit because she comes across as increasingly strident and sort of argumentative for the sake of being argumentative and it's not a good choice like yeah i think that that plot has a lot of really interesting things to say about how troy has been treated as a character yeah. in the past four years how they treat women characters generally and you know, sort of what they do with this in this episode is really interesting and I want to talk about it. But at the end of the day, the plot that they're in is 
less interesting than the like the the, the gender dynamics that are going on here. You know, because it's very yeah, yeah. it's very straightforward, I, I, and I think O'Brien is there really just because someone else has to be there. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, it, it gives a different insight into Troy than we've had because you know when she first has you know when she first assumes command and she doesn't really seem to you know they're, they're talking about very you know esoteric you know scientific phenomena that she doesn't understand at all and you know they're both patient you know Roe and O'Brien are patiently explaining these things to her but you know they're they're you know they're suggesting their own courses of action for a bit you think she's going to you know be a very passive leader I mean and just everyone's just going to do what they do but when they get to the inevitable confrontation Troy does have to grow a backbone and she does it very well I mean this episode makes it clear that she's been paying attention because she's been really close to Picard for the past few years. And she starts off with his, st- his style. She asks for suggestions. She lets people do. But when she knows what the right thing to do is, she stays and she does not back down. And she makes it clear, like, look, I'm in command and this is my decision. This is what we are doing. And I think it's actually really interesting that they paint her as the type of leader which will uh, worry about saving the people that are in the drive section of the ship more Mm, so than the kind of leader that is worried about, you know, saving parts of the ship because, you know, she is the counselor. And I think what I like about it is that this episode, I think for the first time really gives her a plot, which makes her as competent outside of the counselor realm as it does inside of it, because that's what she has to do as a counselor, right? She meets somebody who's in pain or she meets somebody who has some mental issues and, you know, has to sort of like quickly size them up and figure out what's wrong with them and make, you know, you have to make decisions as a, as a therapist. And so I don't think that that's outside the realm of possibility for her to do. Um, and what, then also, she may not know the technical details of what's going on, but she's able to understand what it all means. And, you know, the people are coming first for her, you know, and, you know, she, she's she's recognizing the techno babble for what it is as almost irrelevant. Right. And, you know, that's what Picard does as well, in a way. You yeah. know, I mean, we, we see that in the game where, you know, very, you know, they go down to uh, to, to sick bay um, and he's kind of talking to Riker and Jordy and uh, De- uh, 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 Be- Beverly about what to do about data. And he says, OK, that sounds good. Do that. You know, De- Picard's not making a lot yeah. of the choices. He's making a decision, but he's not coming up with the solutions. And but so I think Tr- Troy has realized that. And that's how you have to command. There are. I mean, these people with, you know, Dr. Crusher, when she, you know. They, Dr. Crusher didn't blunder into this position by accident. You know, she knows what he's doing. She's doing, you know, Geordi isn't just randomly the chief engineer, you know. They all know, they are all very good at their jobs. This is the flagship of the Federation. And so if it's just down to the technical details of a job, you know, both Troy and Picard seem to realize, you know, don't micromanage. They, they learn when to micromanage and when not to. Right. Yeah. And I and I think also, you know, the other piece to this as well is that Troy really does know how to read people. Yes. And so, you know, I think in a way, I don't want to say that she's better at it than Picard because Picard certainly has years of experience, yeah. you know, being a captain. But, you know, I think she's able to, you know, pick up on the subtle sort of clues that that Ensign Rowe and, and O'Brien are giving off and, and really make a decision based on, you know, how they're feeling and how they're sort of presenting themselves and also frankly what troy thinks makes sense as well you know because i think that she is the type of character that that would want to give everybody a chance as long as possible 
Um, and yeah, I, and yeah. I the second that you, re- I mean, there there was no way that Troy was ever going to go with Ensign Rose's decision. That mm-hmm. that is completely out of character, no matter what she's going to try. Right, and I think also it it you know this is why I think it was a little bit of a mistake to make Ensign Rowe at least this strident in the episode because it does really paint Ensign Rowe as you know a very ruthless character who's going to argue for the sake of arguing and. It's it's one of those things where you know we don't know that much about Ensign Rowe, and in the second episode, what we know about Ensign Rowe is not great. See, this almost... it's almost very similar to how Pulaski was first introduced mm, yeah, to the yeah, show, yeah, yeah. which was a problem as well, and they sort of were able to correct that mistake, yeah. you know, later. Well, you see how I, I read the situation slightly differently because, in a way, Rowe is almost taking the wharf role. Like anytime there is another ship on, you know, Wharf says, "Well, we've got to blow it up because they could be enemies," and Picard's always like, "I'll take that, you know, suggestion under." consideration but no um Roe, you know Roe is saying like, oh this is hopeless we've got to you know we've got to save ourselves everybody's dead i'm looking at finding the worst case scenario here and troy is saying you know no that's not the case but i think Roe is going at i think Roe's reaction has as much to do with the fact that she doesn't trust troy to be making the right decision troy has not commanded a ship like this troy openly doesn't understand the situation they've gotten through they've you know gotten themselves into and i think roe is almost seeing the details a little more than she should because i i just i think it's very significant that after the after it's all over you know roe apologizes to troy and she says you know you you did make the right decision the whole time you know yeah and and i and i didn't like that because uh, i think it made it a very very cliche sort of plot i don't know it worked for me just because i sometimes i don't think a cliche is necessarily a bad thing especially not in a star trek episode like this i guess that's true you know it, it was basically, you know, it do, and it, you know, that Troy does return it with saying, you know, you're, you could have been right, you know, just as easily, you know, I was the one in charge and I went with my gut, but you know, either one, you know, it was, it was a coin flip at that point. I mean, I, I think it's, I think the show is making it clear that Roe is still an, Roe is an unseasoned character as well in some ways. Yeah, that's she true. She has been in prison for a while. She's never really made the right decision she's never learned how to trust people she's never learned when to trust people and so a lot of it has to do with her natural inclination to mistrust somebody and yeah i think so and i think there's also some some sort of meta commentary there about you know troy's appearance and you know what she's wearing yeah i mean you know these things do not engender respect no necessarily and you know, I think if, if Troy was wearing a standard uniform and didn't have the ridiculous hair, I think that there is a chance that Ensign Rowe would have taken her a bit more seriously as well. I don't know if the show necessarily goes so far as to invite that. Like, I, I don't think the show is, you know, it, it's the kind of thing where you can read that into this episode. I think, it, and this is more, I guess, pointing out a possible failing in the show. The show doesn't seem to realize that it's making that point. I will only say that the show does realize it. Does it? Okay. Yes. That's fair. Uh, and you'll find out later why I'm saying that. Okay. Uh, yeah, I think that's true. And <laughs> the season six episode's cat suit? Uh, As well, opposed to cat's paw? Maybe. <gasps> we'll see. Okay. Uh, let's talk about Picard. Let's talk about Picard. I really like this plot line. <laughs> I think it's it's, you know... 
Picard's dislike of children is one of those yeah. beats which is almost too perfect because this obviously would be a man that's uncomfortable around oh children. Oh, my God. And I loved how subtle he was about it, like, in the very beginning of the episode especially because, you know, I'm one of those – I'm a person who's very uncomfortable around children. You're just – He's very stiff, and he's terrified they're going to touch him in the first, like, part of the episode. Like, he thinks their hands have jelly on them, and and this is going to be horrible. Well, I think he, you know, there there are certain types of people that that, that don't know how to talk to children. And, you know, it's funny because I spent, like, a few hours with some children last night, just randomly, which I don't do that often. And... You know, the thing is, like, children are... But it was a Saturday night, and you had some extra money, so the store was open, so you rented it. I just rented a kid, yeah. Um, you know, it was, it was two three-year-olds, and, and they were running around, and you just kind of talk to them like they're people. I mean, it's really not that 60 difficult. Bucks. <laughs> and, you know, I think that's one thing that... I think that, you know, I mean, I don't want to read into why you don't like children or why you're uncomfortable around children, but but I think the, the reason why a lot of people are uncomfortable around children is they think that children are some sort of different thing from a person, and yeah. they're really not. They're just people, um, and you just talk to them like they're a person, and they usually are okay with it. So, and that's what I think Picard realizes, you know, as he goes on in the episode yes. when he's in this situation where he does need their help, and he does sort of, he also needs to be the adult in the situation and, and needs to uh, comfort them and sort of take control of them. Um, you know, very early on in the episode, of course, he yells at a child to stop crying, and that just does not work ever. And, you know, I think he's he begins to realize that, you know, the children are not some sort of different life yeah, form yeah, entirely. Yeah. They are just little people. Which is funny because I think Picard is much more comfortable with other life forms than he is with kids. Like, I think that's true. If they were three completely different alien species, you know, we've seen Picard in a room with three alien I was about species, to say, and, yeah, and you know, he's must he must muster that situation very well, and he he's he's comfortable. But yeah, that that's. And, I, you know, and, and, and the plot line is good, I think, because it doesn't necessarily indicate that Picard is suddenly going to be heading down to the school to yeah, give yeah, a speech yeah, yeah. every week. He's not going to be, like, you know, hanging out with kids. He's not going to be taking them to the Arboretum all the time. He's, but he passes them in the hallway, and he's going to chat with them for a second. And, you know, that's something. Doesn't he wink at them at one point? Probably. Yeah, like, I think he's just a little more comfortable with them now. And... The kids themselves are fine. Like, I don't, you know, there's really not that much to say about the individual children. They're just sort of, they're, they're, they're sort of like er children. They're just there yeah. to, 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 to serve a role the in the plot. The kid who keeps talking about, oh, we're going to die. Like, I hated him at first. And then I found him fucking hilarious. Like, and they're all just, he's like, we're just going to die. And he's like, he's just resigned to it. Like, he was that kid. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And it's also funny because, I mean, I'm, you know, I, I think that. You know, we've all been in that situation where we don't exactly know what to do, but we have to do because we're the person that everyone is looking to. Yeah. And it's not a comfortable situation to be in. And well, I mean, that, that's that – no, continue. No, I was going to say it, 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 it's really astute of the show to put Picard in this situation because this would be – the. I mean, Picard is the captain. He's the guy that's always yeah. in charge. He always knows what to do. And this is the one situation he could probably possibly be in on his own ship, which he, he doesn't he doesn't know what to do. Yeah. And, and, he ha- and he has to figure it out and he has to wing it. And but the way he does it is interesting because he ends up gaining control by essentially deputizing everybody and giving, you know, he he invites them into his perspective of command structure. Really. Right. Right. And he also, you know, he recognizes that the girl who is the oldest, you know, is able to do that herself. And I really do love that moment when they all say, like, no, we're not, you know, we're not leaving you behind. Like, that's a cute moment, too, because they've finally, 
like you see them growing up a little bit during the episode too, even as he's learning and he almost seems surprised that they would have that already, you know, because yeah. any, because that's like what Riker would do. Riker would immediately say, you know, no, I'm figuring out a way. Anytime anybody in the show has been injured, the other person has figured out a way. Right. So right. I, I think it's, you know, this is a moment where he's realizing that these kids do have that as well. I mean, yeah, I think that's he a good brings point. that out in them. And I also, and I also like the fact that Picard puts, puts the girl in charge as well. Like, yeah. I, I just think that's a nice moment too. Yeah. You know, where... And especially when she's, has not said a word previously in the entire episode. Yeah. I think in a weird way, you know, for, for, a, for an episode that's just really just a, a self-contained one-off episode that that's basically the Poseidon adventure, you know, yeah. um, it really does do a lot of really good character work with the women in the show. Yeah. And that's what I, I think that's really, really interesting because, you know, Ensign Rowe and Troy get a lot of scenes together where they're butting heads about sort of high level command decisions. Oh, yeah. You know, the, the girl um, gets to be in charge and sort of gets to be Picard's number one. Uh, and now of course, you know, that it's a good opportunity for us to transition over to the, to the other two plot lines in the episode, which are a little, you know, less meaty. Um, you've got, you know, Beverly Crusher and Jordy having to figure out a situation. And interestingly enough, you know, I don't know how much there is to say about that plot line because it's it's pretty straightforward. Yeah. But I think it also kind of goes to my theory that the show is doing some interesting things with, with female characters in this episode because when they're evacuating the air from the shuttlecraft and they have to go over to that panel, Geordi mm-hmm. uh, is the one that collapses and Beverly Crusher yeah. gets over there and does I mean, it. Crusher, Canard Crusher gets to do a badass action scene. She gets, they, the two of them do something that's extremely physically demanding and dangerous and... You know, everybody in everyone in this episode does a tiny bit towards saving the ship, and you know they they essentially stop it from blowing up. Except for Worf, except for Worf, but he saves new life, and and I mean to be fair, Picard doesn't really save the ship; they just save themselves and a couple of kids. But you know, either in 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 any case, they in a sense though, I think you could argue that by Picard saving himself, he is saving the ship because Mm. he is the captain. But by Picard saving the children, by Worf. Delaying birth, he is continuing the message of the Federation, which is respect for life or something. Sure. Hey. And you, you get his greatly, and you, you may give birth now. Yeah. I loved that he's getting, he, through that entire sequence, he's getting half-pissed at Keiko and half-pissed at the tutorial for not matching up. Like, he's, he's like, blaming her. He's like, well, this is not in the tutorial, you know? Why is it? It's just like, that's... Not how it works. I can really, I can really see Worf putting together an IKEA furniture. Like that just would not be good. I think he would get really frustrated. With the whole thing. I mean that, that that's a and again that's a purely comedic scene. Let's give again. Let's give two characters that don't ever work together. And Worf is very good to be. Worf is very good at being used in that kind of an unfunny character situation, doing funny things. And it's it's putting it's putting all the characters in in not necessarily not necessarily dangerous situations, but but high stress situations, and and allowing them to figure out a way to overcome it. And it's almost funny because you could see the characters like being given different plots and things going much smoother. Obviously, if it was the captain on the bridge, there would be no problem. If it was uh troy in the elevator with the kids there would be no problem if it was crusher in 10 forward there would be no problem like right you know if, if these characters were all shifted over one like this would be a much easier episode to go through and this makes it so much more interesting by giving them a kind of non-standard plot yeah yeah i think that's a good way it's to a end. very it's a simple episode but very cleverly done yeah i would agree with that and uh i think i will give it to 
Seven plasma fires. I was going to give it seven plaques. Okay. Well, let's move on to the game, which is an okay episode. I, I think didn't. There was a lot of this episode I didn't like, but there were a lot of really creepy scenes in it that I did like. It's the kind of episode. It was not a very consistent episode. It had some extremely dorky PSA moments to it. But then again, scenes like when everybody is strapping, you know, Wesley down and like forcing this game device onto his head. Like that's a freaky scene. Having the entirety of the enterprise and characters that we love getting, you know, mind controlled by something is creepy. So for those reasons, I did like the episode. Yeah. And I think it's, you know, I think this episode again is a bit problematic for me because it was written by Brian and Braga, like Identity Crisis from from last season, the famous Jordy Becomes a Salamander episode. And... Uh. Yeah. And, you know, it's 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 hard for me to talk about Brandon Braga because I don't want to be unfair to him. I think he's a good writer. I think, he, you know, the game is a fine episode. Um, but, you know, Brandon Braga writes episodes that are like this. They're just their body horror or their homages like. to 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 horror movies. I mean, this is obviously Invasion of the Body Snatchers yeah. done in Star Trek style, which it works and it works fine. But. There are some 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 sloppy. Pl- I think there's some sloppy plotting in the yeah. episode. I'm thinking of 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 at least two huge plot holes that I can think of. And I'm not usually the type of person that yeah. is really interested in finding plot holes. But in this kind of episode, which hinges on on the plot <laughs> on on the plot, because there's really not much else here. It it, it you know it doesn't make a whole lot of sense. And. Yeah. That, the, the, the the ultimate plan and the reason behind all of this is just kind of ambiguous. And what 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 is she really doing? And why are why are they doing this? What who thought that this was a good idea? Is basically the like nobody would come up with this plan to take over by manufacturing a mind controlling video game. That's stupid. Like that that <laughs> it, it 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 just seems like such an over the top evil scheme that. Yeah, it doesn't. You know, it doesn't really seem to fit into the universe as it's been built. Yeah, like, I, yeah. <laughs> and I think the other thing too is that okay, uh, you know, let's get into the plot holes because I think you know there's a lot. Yeah. To, I mean, you know, we could talk about um, the very beginning of the episode where Riker and the Katarian woman are chasing each other. Oh, um, do we have to? Which um, I mean, you know, Richard and I are, are both gay men, so uh, we have I think probably very different. Uh, sexual experiences than most of our listeners who are probably straight because, you know, 95% of people are straight. But um, is this how straight people like, is this foreplay? Like, is this how women and men like interact? Like they just chase each other around the bedroom. Yeah. And then like, he's like, like sitting on his stomach and she's just like, it's not like she's like kissing him or back rubbing him, but she's just like, ah, it, it, just, like, it was weird. Like, yeah, I found the whole thing very strange. Like if, if someone that I was trying to have sex with, um, and obviously wanted to have sex with me was like leading me on a chase around my is apartment. That like, I, I don't and think is that Riker's style either. Like, no, Riker likes a, it's been made, made very clear that while Riker is a total player, he likes to be around, you know, tough women who are as cool as him. He is Riker. Riker's the kind of person who knows that he's really fucking cool. And therefore, he should only sleep with people who are just as cool as him. Right. And she doesn't come off as that cool. She doesn't come off as cool. (laughs) And I think also she doesn't come across as like that 
Like, I don't know. Well, I, just... I guess I, I get the sense that, like, Riker just had a, re- a night where he just totally struck out and it's, like, closing time and just finally this woman comes up and he's like, well, I'm on, I'm on Rizo, like, I'm on my vacation, I'm gonna make the most of it, you know. Gotta get my dick wet somehow. Basically. Yeah. I'll, I'll pretend she's that lady from that other episode who died. Oh, no. Oh, that's sad. I know, but it's poignant. Okay, I'll go with that. And then I think the other two big plot holes for me are, number one, how did anyone, like, in hell get Picard to try this thing? That makes absolutely no sense to me. They don't show it because I don't think you could show it because it makes no sense. He would never do it. I mean, listen, we have a new mystery game. It stars that Sam Spade analog you're always so fond of. I just, I mean, I don't know. Do you agree with me? I just, I don't I mean, think... it's the kind of thing that, like, I, I mean... The... It bothered me. That's all I'm saying. It, it bothered me. It does and it doesn't. Given that the the backdrop of the episode is they're doing this science mission that, yes, is very high pressure, but, like, Picard doesn't seem to be doing that much in the way of direct, you know, he doesn't really have his hands in this mission right now. He's... To a degree, or he has at yeah, least a but, lesser part, so maybe he had a bit of downtime. But and... Picard's idea of fun is reading the Iliad. It's not playing a video game. Yeah, I know, but Riker could have begged. I don't. I know. I know. And he I think need, right, he, Picard needed to have played the game because the plot doesn't work without it. But right. as you said, they allied that scene because you're right. I don't know how they could have written it quite. Yeah, and I think that's the other pro- that's you know, and the other problem of course with the episode is the end because we see we see Wesley and and Ensign Leffler working on data and figuring out what's wrong with them, but we don't see them fix him. And then suddenly you're at the end of the episode, Wesley has been taken over by the by the body snatchers yeah. and What's going to happen? Here comes Data to, to a, save the day. A Data's ex machina. With yeah, literally with a plan that was never mentioned, and we had no idea he was fixed. And that's my problem with it: is like these things in isolation are not necessarily problems, but they indicate structural problems well, it, with the writing of the episode it's a sloppiness. because yeah. it's a sloppiness. And I also think it's just they are scenes that I don't think they ha- either had time for or could write, but. It indicates a deeper problem with the episode, which is that it's interested in the wrong things. And it's very like if you're going to have an episode that's this plot driven, it needs to be a really tight plot. Yeah. And I don't think this is a really tight plot. Again, it's a first draft episode. It they, they, a, a stronger version of the episode might have. I, you, you, you get they, they wanted us to think well, this, that, oh, God, Wesley's being captured and everything's really bad. But meanwhile, I mean, we were focusing on Wesley, who it turns out was the distraction. All of the real work was being done by Data, and Wesley was just, as it turns out, you know, being a fake target for. And there's a way. There's a way to keep information from the audience while making it still thematically satisfying. And there's a way not to do it. And this episode does it in the way not to do it. Yeah, I think this is a good opportunity for for us to talk for a couple minutes about. um, You know, you always say like this is a first draft episode. Yeah, and I do want to say like. I don't think like I know no, you're, this you're, was, just, this you're is, saying that it's a metaphor, shorthand, yeah. but like I really want to make I really want to make clear that like, you know, there are no first drafts in television like this was really worked on by people. And, oh, of course, you know, and I think a lot of it just has to do with the fact that, you know, I've been watching um, 
the the Enterprise Blu-rays because I got all the Enterprise Blu-rays this week. And there's a lot of really good, you know, they're they're very honest in these extras about, you know, uh, what exactly the show is and what went wrong with it and what went right with it. And, you know, one of the things that I think, you know, we even talked, we've even talked about on this show many times is just the fact that they were making a tremendous amount of television in a short time. Yeah. And you're just going to have some stinkers. That's just the way things go. Um, yeah, there weren't people who were, and there weren't people who were going to be making a podcast on it and saying, you know, well, gee, this plot didn't really work that well you know and i think the fact of the matter is that the show you know the next generation works as well as it does even to this degree of of scrutiny is a testament to the fact that it had a really really strong creative team in general Mm -hmm. um i just feel like this is the kind of episode which was supposed to be enjoyed on its merits not really thought about too much and then you move on to the next week and you know on that level it's fine um yeah, the next day you say, oh, that was a really creepy episode of Trek last night. Oh, yeah, I love, you know, what a stupid game to be addicted to, though. Like, ha, ha, ha. Well, let's get back to the construction mines. But uh, I think it, you know, I think it, like, it harkens back to to an earlier form of the show, which really didn't do a lot of character work. I mean, mm-hmm. we always talked about the fact that the next generation really went to the next level when, you know, they can do these high concept science fiction plots or they can do really interesting things with plot. But at the same time, they're doing character work. And this episode doesn't have that much character work and the character work it has isn't very interesting because frankly, who the hell cares about Wesley getting his dick wet? I don't. And the other characters are not acting as themselves in this episode either. Right. So, you know, there are some things that I do like about it, like the fact that the idea of pleasure is sort of like woven through the episode. I mean, you have scenes where, you know, there's, there's a scene where Troy is eating a Sunday and talking about how pleasurable it is and the whole ritual of it and the experience of it, which really serves no purpose in the episode. It's just kind of there because Riker is, has to introduce her to the game. Uh, and I don't want to say that the episode doesn't work. I mean, it does work on a lot of levels. I like the slow build up. You know, I like the fact yeah. that that they do show the first like three or four steps of how the game started to spread throughout the ship because mm-hmm. Riker introduced it to Troy, and then you know, right, and then I think Troy or Riker introduced it to, to Crusher and you know Jordy, and, and so it sort of yeah. worked, you know, and then suddenly in, in like minute thirty, it's like your 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 the whole ship has it on. Yeah, I like see, that. You see the early scenes in ten forward where like one or two people. have have it and then you see people like working and walking through the corridors with it right you know and i i do like the kind of idea of the episode where it's really just dumb luck more than anything else that uh makes ensign leffler and wesley the only two people on the ship well, that yeah, are not it's, addicted it's the to thing. it wesley's uh 17 or 18 years old and ensign leffler's really pretty so he doesn't want to play this stupid game his mom does he wants to you know shower and get a get to the get to the date you know and it just so happens that they're such extreme nerds that when it, you know, they're talking about the game everybody's playing, and instead of trying it for themselves, they look at the source code. I mean, that's that's their date, you know? Right, exactly. Yeah, and I like that. And I mean, it, it's really true to the yeah. character of Wesley, I think. You know, I mean, you know, and it, it's 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 interesting because I like the fact that they're trying to make Wesley a little hipper. You know, he's doing practical jokes and all. You know, it's like, all right, that that's fine, I guess. But he's a little older, yeah. He's a little older. You know, he's talking to Picard about Boothby, the gardener at Starfleet Academy. I mean, there are some callbacks. There are some things, you know. On the whole, I think the episode works just fine. But there are some, like, you know, just, just some structural problems with it that, that sort of maybe indicate problems with the franchise down the line, which I'm having a hard time with because I know where they lead. 
Yeah. If if that makes sense. Okay, I I get I think I get what you mean, yeah. Yeah. I mean it was a I, I, I wonder if there's that much more to say about this just because yeah, it is a I don't know, it it's it's a Again, it's not a, quite a filler episode, but it kind of is. It's just a it's another bottle episode, really. Um, but it's just something creepy that happens in the life of the Enterprise. It's not a. I don't know. Maybe, maybe. Really, what does st- stick me with this episode is just I can't tell what it was all for. What were right. they doing? What were, who is this alien? Uh, who is this alien species? What, they, They're the Katarians. Oh, like the ones in uh, the animated series? No, those are the Cations. The Cations. I miss the Cations. I do too. Oh, God. What was her name? Mores. Mores. See, here we are talking about the animated series rather than talking about the episode. Like, I, th- I think that says something. I think it does say something, you know, and I think that, that this is the kind of episode that it works fine on a level it was intended to work yeah. on. But at the end of the day, I mean, we talked for 25 minutes about disaster, which, you know, it doesn't really have that much more going on than this episode. But I think that where where you see the differences really are, you know, disaster was able to sort of bring out a lot of, you know, it was using a lot of the character characterization of the characters that um, that's maybe a tautology. But you know what I mean? That was built over the past four years yeah, yeah, yeah. and really used that to some degree while this episode is just, oh, it's a body snatcher episode. Yeah. And that's fine. You know, yeah. and that's fun and it's enjoyable and it's it's cool to see everybody sort of creepily. Yeah. Like, you know, you got was, your clockwork scene orange at the end and you it know. was 40 minutes and it sent a couple of shivers down my spine and that was great. But I think it's just one of those things where, you know, Bran and Braga episodes for me never really add up to more than the sum of their parts. I mean, it almost seems like he would have fit more in like an X-Files type of like a show, just something that was more explicitly intended to be a scary series. Like something where he he, – because he feels almost – there's a degree where it takes Trek in a different direction than Trek normally goes. But at the same time, he would – you get the sense he would like to take this episode in a different direction that Trek doesn't allow. And which, so, which is where? I don't know. Um, but it just seems like this isn't... I, I don't know. It feels like this episode would have worked better with a slightly different mythology or a slightly different world building in a slightly different world. I mean, I could see that, you know, and on the know. one on the one hand, I mean, I'm not I'm, I'm not going to let you get away with saying that without explaining yourself a little more, because I don't know that I necessarily agree with that, because I think that Star Trek, as we've talked about, is, is, is a lot of different things. Yeah, it's a it, lot of different things. And it can get away with doing a lot of different things. So in as much as it can do anything, I think it can do this type of episode. Maybe it's just. I would have liked this episode better if it had stronger characterization or maybe this episode would have been better if it were written for a show that didn't rely as much on characterization as Next Gen did. Because that – the episode feels a little flat because we don't learn anything about anybody we care about. The the disaster felt like such a rich episode because it was giving us into insights to people that we see week after week after week – and this, it's just showing them as mind-controlled and creepy, and the entire ship is mind-controlled con- and creepy. And the only people we see normal are Wesley Crusher, who we have opinions about already, and 
you know, this sense and that we are never going to see again, most likely. Yeah, we never do. Yeah. I, I think... And I mean, I kind I like her to the degree that, I mean, if we need to have a girlfriend work for Wesley, I think she's a fine choice. Yeah, she's know? quirky and she's got her laws and that's weird. Yeah, whatever, you know, she, you know she, but... I didn't hate her. And then that says a lot. <laughs> well, you know, and I think it's I think it's interesting that we haven't really talked about Wesley that much because of course, you know, this is the return of Wesley. You know, he hasn't been on the show for for a year. And so well, is is this a good return for him? Well, you know, something that we did talk about the episode where the last episode, the last Wesley episode we had and we we're like is this final re- mission. Yeah, is this really the best, you know, and most interesting plot that Wesley could be in? And here I think we see Wesley in a plot that is a little more appropriate to him where, you know, he di- Wesley has science skills and he uses his science skills to figure something out and to, you know, get out of this bad situation. And I don't know, that that seems a better use of Wesley than Final Mission did. Where- I, yeah, I would agree with that. And I also think that there's a lot of um, there's a lot of subtext that the episode doesn't do anything with. You know, like you know, I was got that thing about when you go when you go away to college and you come home for the first time. Yeah. You know, there's that period where it doesn't feel like home and everybody seems different. And yeah. so this episode I think, you know, you could say that it was trying to do that literally, but I don't think it was even aware that that was a thing. Like, okay, the scene when he comes back and his mother's playing the game, and you know she's acting like and he's, having her orgasms. She's asking, she's acting like he's caught her masturbating, essentially. Yeah, um, but she kind of is. I mean, yeah, I, I get the impression I mean, that the, the game is basically giving you a mini orgasm is, every time. Yeah, I mean that, the, the, and you know he's and, we're, and part of it is. You know, there's that thing when you spend time away from your parents and you come back and you realize they're weird. And is it is it just I haven't really I was just used to their behavior. Is that how they always acted? Or are they getting a little old and crazy? Is what's happening right now? You know, right? Have I ch- have they changed? Have I changed? Has but but yeah, they don't really. You know, he just says, "Gee, my mom's acting weird," which he said that before. Like it, Wesley doesn't seem to really. And and this is another thing the show that the show doesn't seem to fully deal with wesley is not usually the best at realizing that something people are acting different because i think he's not really like many characters on the show he's not always good with people yes and i also yeah i think that's true and i you know that's i mean that's what i'm saying like you know, we are coming up with so many ways that the episode could have been yeah. so much deeper on a, on a character level that it's frustrating that the show, this episode, doesn't really do anything with it. You know, and I think that's the the, the ultimate problem yeah. with it is that it's it's a very surfacey episode. Like for it's, him, it could even be like everybody's playing this game and I'm left out of that. Like I go a, away for six months and suddenly everybody's having much more fun than me. Like that yeah, could have even been a thing too. There's a way to break this exact plot. On a on a on a on a character, you know, on a on a on a beat level, while maintaining some sort of of deeper character work, you know, yeah. make this an episode about Wesley coming back to the ship and not, you know, let's not have Ensign Leveler, you know, let's do something else with Wesley and have him feel uncomfortable about coming back and why is everyone acting weird and then he realizes it, you know, like because a lot of those Ensign Leveler scenes do feel like wasted time because these are two characters that. 
uh, Enslin Leffler was only on the show once before and is, is never on the show again. And, and Wesley Crusher is no longer a main cast member. And yeah. so he's going to be gone next week. And we're watching them have a date and we're watching them make out and we're watching them, you know, solve mysteries and engineering. And we're, you know, and so it just feels very like it's 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 a time waster. You know, there's no emotional investment in here because we don't really care about these characters because yeah. they're not going to be here next week. Yeah. And they're not that in- inherently interesting on their own terms. Yeah. I mean, we've had episodes that have characterized a guest character, but have been much more interesting. And, you know, the more that I, in this episode especially, like, I know you've talked about how you're not the biggest fan of Will Whedon, but, yeah, like, this episode, I'm really seeing it. Because, again, and this is part of the, it's been a while, he's come back, he's a little older, but... Just that scene, all I could think of during that scene in the elevator with, you know, the woman, and she's like, the game plays itself after all. She was really fucking creepy. Like, she was, I loved that scene, and he's chirping, yeah, wow, gee, and I'm like, you're ruining, Will, you're ruining this scene. Like, this is the best acting job she will ever get. Right, right. You know, you are ruining her big moment. Yeah, I think that's true. I mean, I, you know, I don't think it was a mistake for Will Wheaton to leave the show. I think the no. show d- doesn't really lack him. I mean, I have certainly not missed him in the year that he's gone, and the fact that he'm back for an episode. Well, all right. I mean, you know, that was you probably you, you you could sort of see that that was going to happen I'm, eventually. Oh, anyway. of course, and I'm sure we will. I'm sure he will be back another couple of times. Yeah, he'll do. You know, just as Q recurs, and just as you know, just as a lot of people recur. They're not going to forget Wesley. You know, right. his mother is on the ship. You right, know? right, exactly. There's a there's a there's an inherent reason for him to come back, which is not something that the show can yeah. ignore necessarily. Yeah, yeah, I think that's true. Um, two more things I want to mention before we wrap up is number one. Apparently, they still do Sadie Hawkins dances in the 21st yeah, century. I, I, which... I didn't want it. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> and uh, the first thing that Jordy says when he meets Wesley is, and I wrote it down. Oh, oh. I missed your abs, Wesley. <laughs> no. He says, I bet you're driving all the girls wild. Aw. Which, Jordy, stop being creepy. It's too hard. You're like 40 years and old. Doesn't he say that like in front of you know, Dr. Yeah, Crusher, too? It's yeah. Like... He says it in front of everybody. Yeah. It's... Because Jordy is jealous. Yeah. And Jordy wants to have sex with Wesley. I can imagine, you know, his holodeck programs that they that that, that nobody has ever seen. I don't want to think about that. <laughs> All right, I will give this. Uh, it, I will give this level six, level four Ooh. for me. Yeah, the, the, I I like it enough, but the more I talked about it, the less I like. I, it. I think you're. I mean, yeah, it it doesn't hold up to analysis. No, it doesn't. All right, well, next week uh, we have a a very uh, strange thing. We have a mid-season (gasps) two-parter, which is being covered in the same episode of Trek About. Oh, my God. Just the way the schedule broke out. Uh, We are talking about Unification 1 and Unification 2. (laughs) We'll talk to you then. Let's get it started. Trek About starting. Yeah. Da-da-da-da-da-da-da. That's going in the show. No, it's not. Yeah, it is. Oh.